chapter 18, if you would stand with me as you turn, John chapter 18, thank you for that song, and John chapter 18 and verse 28, John chapter 18 and verse 28, I I want to read a little bit of a lengthy portion of scripture, I'm going to read just about half of it to begin and then we'll pray together, but I want to look at the story of the Lord's crucifixion and I don't want to just comment my way through it. I'd like us to read the story together. So we're going to read a little bit of a a lengthier portion of scripture than normal, but I'll I'll read from verse 28 here through the end of verse 40, and then we'll pray together. um, And I'll read some more into verse 19. As you read this, I want you to think of a verse probably most of you know well, and that verse is John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Title of the message is just simply, For God So Loved. And as you read this passage of Scripture, you see God's love proved. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us. And here we see God's love demonstrated for us. Verse 28 says this, Then they led that Jesus from Caiaphas to the hall of judgment. And it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but they, that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. The saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man... But Barabbas, now Barabbas was a robber. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the scripture that we're reading this morning and what it tells us about our Lord. There's no question that we can look outside of this, these doors today and we can see in creation that there's a creator. We can look through history and see your footprint and we can look at our own hearts, that knowledge of, of what is right and what is wrong and know that there is a God who made us and designed us. But Lord, in these pages we see your son, the son of God. Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we see his sacrifice for us. We not only see his nature, but his love on display and that he would die for us. Lord, remind us of how much you love us. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know Christ, I pray they put their trust in him today. For those of us that are saved, strengthen our love. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Verse 1 of verse chapter 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto him, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. 
When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went out again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then answered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, or then delivered he him therefore unto them to be delivered. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place, uh, the place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, two others with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the, writing, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garment and made four parts to every soldier a part and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and from my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a set vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said... It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We read in this page of scripture, you can read in other gospels, God's love on full display. That he would be willing to go through all of this and do all of this for us. There's another verse I'd like you to keep in mind this morning. And that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through 15. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, in John 3.16, we see this, For God so loved. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see that call for us, that we would say, For I so loved. 
See, Jesus' love is on full display, isn't it? You don't have to go any further than these pages of Scripture and see how much God loved you. Uh, but there is something else about our life. Our life is a testimony to the Lord of, for I so loved. I would think we should ask ourselves this question. If you took a picture of my life, what does it say that I love? If you looked at the Lord Jesus Christ's time on earth, there would be no question in our mind that he loved us. Without question, he loved us. You can see in that passage of scripture, his love on full display. And our lives make another statement. For I so loved. For I so loved. The question we ought to ask ourselves this morning is, what is it my life tells that I love? We see that God so loved us that he was judged for us. Look at chapter 18 again in verse 28. It says in, uh, there in verse eight, or 28 of chapter 18, Then they led, led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment. It was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Chapter 19 and verse 6, it says, When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. We see the Savior judged for us. They delivered him to the judgment hall. Talk about hypocrisy on display in this passage of Scripture. The council, the religious rulers of Israel, brought the Lord before Pilate to turn him over and say, Crucify him. They were plotting cold-blooded murder, weren't they? They were looking to see the Lord murder. They knew there was no fault in him. Pilate could look at him and say, there's no fault in him. And yet they were plotting cold-blooded murder. But they refused to go in the judgment hall because they didn't want to defile themselves. They didn't want to miss out on the Passover that day. Well, they didn't want to miss a moment of the Passover. They knew if they were defiled, they would have to be sanctified and they wouldn't be able to eat the Passover this time around. And it'd be next year before the... Matter of fact, as you read this story, you'll notice that Pilate comes out to see them and then goes in back to Jesus. He comes out to them, goes back into Jesus. And the constant reason he's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth is because those Jews wouldn't go in because they didn't want to be defiled. You can almost hear the frustration in Pilate's voice as, he, as, they, as they brought him before him. And he said, you judge him. You judge him according to your law. And they knew they couldn't crucify him. And, but they brought him to the judgment hall to be judged by a world. Some hypocritical so-called religious folks. They knew the law, but they didn't know the one who wrote it. They were judging the Lord. I think about this when it comes down to it. You know, friend, we're worthy of judgment, aren't we? Romans 3.10 says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only one who didn't deserve to be in that judgment hall was the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate deserved to be there. The religious crowd deserved to be there. Every one of us deserved to be held accountable for our lives. But the one who was without sin was the one that was brought to the judgment hall that day. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He loved us so much he was willing to be judged for us. 
You and I deserve the judgment that we face. We entered into this world as sinners. David was right when he said in Psalms 51, he said, an iniquity was I conceived. He said, since my conception, I was a sinner. My father before me was a sinner. I was a sinner. The Lord would further describe it in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, where he said, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We came into the world sinners. Adam started it. Cain and Abel were sinners, and every man since then has been a sinner. And you don't have to live beyond today, no doubt, for that fact to be proven, do we? Every time we sin, it is an evidence of the fact that we are a sinner. We are a sinner. You know, our individual actions are not what make us a sinner. They are the evidence of the fact that we are a sinner. They are the evidence. See, if you were to put us in that judgment hall... There would be plenty to say. There would be no one who could stand up and say, I find no fault in him. No, the fault would just roll on and roll on and roll on and roll on. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We try to qualify sin. One sin is greater than the other. And maybe in terms of our time on earth, there's no question that certain sins bear a harsher penalty in this life, don't they? Or you can, uh, you, can, you can steal a dollar off from someone's wallet and you're probably not going to face much of a consequence. But if you rob a bank today, <laughs> you might end up in jail. But both things would be wrong, wouldn't they? And both things would reveal something about our nature. They're sinners. Over and over again, our lives prove that we're a sinner. Yet he went in there with no fault in him. Hebrews chapter 11 or chapter uh, Hebrews would remind us that he was in all points, chapter 4, tempted like as we are yet without sin. But he stepped into the judgment hall for us. He took our sin upon him. I, I love that verse in Corinthians. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took our sin upon him. It was as he hung on the Calvary that he would cry out and lift his voice up towards heaven and say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the reason would be is that he would take our sin upon him and so defiled by sin that God the Father would turn his back on his son. Because he was judged for you and I. He was judged for us. For God so loved that he was judged for us. For God so loved that he was bruised for us. Chapter 19 and verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And scourged him. In Isaiah, it says this in Isaiah 53. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, out as a root out of a dry ground. He hath, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was bruised for us. Psalms 22, 14 through 18, the prophecy concerning the crucifixion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it melteth in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. 
The assembly of the wicked hath closed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots for my vesture. He was bruised for us. They would beat him. They would pluck out his beard. They would scourge him with the cat of nine tails, 39 stripes. They would beat him. Psalms 22 would remind us his bones would be made to stare upon him. Any hunters? we have any hunters in here? Raise your hand if you enjoy hunting. How many of you ever skinned a deer before? Ever skinned a deer before? Take that skin as you're pulling away. Forgive me for the gruesomeness. But you pull that skin and you begin to slice with a knife. And as you pull that skin taut and you slit just behind there, what happens? It just peels off, doesn't it? Forgive me, but you know when they, crucify, when they would scourge. Matter of fact, when we were in Israel, we saw it. They would take them and they would put behind their hands and hang them over their head. They would stretch their body taut. Body would be stretched taut. They would take that cat of nine tails that had both dull objects in it that would bruise. It wasn't just a whip, but it had those dull objects that would bruise, but it had sharp objects in it that would tear. So they would take the, they would take them, stretch them taut, and they would whip them thirty nine times with that stripes. They say many people didn't survive the scourging. Because the sharp sharp object, since the body was stretched taut, would bruise and those sharp ones would tear until the flesh just, just began to tear away. The Bible tells us that his bones were made bare to stare upon him. His bones could be seen through his flesh as it hung from his body because he was scourged for us. He was beaten for us. The Bible says by his stripes we were healed. Friend, you and I deserve the payment of sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the sorcerers and the whoremongers and, I, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. The consequence of sin is the agony of hell. And yet our Savior took agony upon him and allowed himself to be bruised for our sin. For God so loved that he was bruised and beaten and, and for you and I. The Lord is letting us see, when when the Lord says, for God so loved the world, he said, this is how much I love you. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, there is no one here today worthy of what our Savior did. There is no one here today who can earn what our Savior did for us. For God so loved that he was judged for us. For God so loved that he was bruised for us. For God so loved that he was mocked for us. Look at what happens here in verse 1 again in verse 19. It says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands, and Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I, have find, that I have find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. They mocked him. King, a king will fashion you a crown. And they would take the thorns of the land, they, two to three inches in length in those vines, and they would fashion a, thorn, a crown, and they would shove those thorns upon his head. After being scourged, his body broken and bleeding, and his bones made bare, they would throw the robe, purple robe to mock his royalty around him. 
Hail, King of the Jews. They would mock him. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 6 through 8, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's our Savior, equal with God. He was God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. John chapter 1 says this about him. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the one who said, let there be light. This is the one who said, let us make man in our image. This is the one who created the universe. This is the one, according to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, upholds all things by the word of his power. According to chapters, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that he made all things and by him all things consist. This was the one who had created even the one who was beating him, who was mocking him, who was spitting in his face. And according to Hebrews chapter 1 and 3, he holds, upholds all things by the word of his power, that as they beat him, he kept their heart beating. That as they mocked him and spit in his face and blasphemed his name, he kept them alive. He was the one who was holding all things together by the word of his power as they mocked his name, blasphemed him, beat him, and spit in his face because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved. He said, I, I love these people. He would, be, he would be judged for us. He would be bruised for us. He would be mocked for us. He would be victorious for us. Look at chapter 19 again. Skip down to verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said... It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Paid in full. It is finished. If you go to chapter 20, it says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went he not in. Then come a Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. An empty tomb. He was victorious. He said, it is finished. It is complete. I think there's several things that were finished that were completed in here. And first of all, prophecy was fulfilled. If you skip up to verse 28 here of chapter 19, or chapter 19, look what it says. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now there was a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon a hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. 
And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Psalm 69, verse 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. You know what happened that moment just as he said it is finished, as he took that little bit of vinegar? It was the last of the prophecies necessary to be fulfilled before he died. There was more prophecies to be fulfilled, but they were after his death. Matter of fact, you find one when they run the spear through his side. But you know what he just did? He just kept his word. He just kept his word. You'll find as you read this story that over and over again the phrase that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. As the Lord said it is finished, one of the things that were finished was his word was completely kept. Every prophecy, every commitment fulfilled. He said, it is finished, and he gave up the ghost. That last of the prophecies yet to be fulfilled, that they would give him vinegar to drink. And as he took that last one, he said, it is finished. I have kept my word. Boy, the Lord reminds us in, in, in Peter that he had this plan before the foundation of the world, that that plan that he had laid out before he even created this universe was fulfilled in that moment. And as he said, it is finished. That one that he started the ball rolling on when he sacrificed that first sacrifice in the Garden of Eden was completed as he laid his life down as the last sacrifice, the author and the finisher of our faith. He said, it is finished. And he kept his word. He was victorious. His suffering was fulfilled. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Endured the cross, despising the shame. He had endured the suffering of the cross. The cat of nine tails across his back being smitten across his face, his beard being plucked out, the crown of thorns driven on his head, stripped naked in the common hall, the mocking, the beating, the the scourging, the blaspheming, the false accusations in trial, the nails through his hands, the nails through his feet. He endured it all and he said, it is finished. I have performed the last needed sacrifice. Since the garden, when he first slew that animal in the garden to cover the, to give, clothe Adam and Eve with the skins of an animal to the, the, the sacrifices of, of Abel, that blood sacrifice, to the sacrifices of the patriarchs, the description of the sacrifices in the law, and all the way up to this moment, he said, it is finished. The suffering is over. It is finished. The last sacrifice the one that stands out to us most of all is our redemption was fulfilled. Paid in full. Redeemed not with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Propitiation for our sin. He died on the cross In our place, it is finished, paid in full. It's said that in the time of Christ, when you were convicted, if you paid a sentence, they would write it on a script. And outside of your cell would be that letter written. These are the crimes that they have committed and to be posted there. When you had done your time, they would stamp that scroll with this phrase, testelestai, paid in full. They would stamp it. They'd roll it up and hand it to you so that you could have that piece of paper that said, 
I've done my time. My debt is paid. What did our Savior say? It is finished. Paid in full. I paid for the sins of mankind. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. For the wage of sin is death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. However, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paid in full. Paid in full. I would say, have you trusted Christ? Because your sin's been paid for if you trust in him. For God so loved, he was judged for us. He was bruised for us. He was mocked for us. He was victorious for us. And so I ask you this question. What does your life say when for I so loved? For I so loved. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. For I so loved. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A living sacrifice. God didn't ask for us to die for him. Some will give their life for the Lord, but he asked us to live for him. I think we should ask this question. What does my life say that I love? For I so loved. You were to ask the question, you were to grab that Bible and you would study the 89 chapters of the Gospels that tell us the account of Christ's life. Something would stand out to you over and over again. For God so loved me. For God so loved me. For God so loved me. He lived for me. He died for me. He has risen again for me. And he's coming back for me. For God so loved. And our life tells a story. For I so loved. For I so loved. I think of that veil that was rent in the temple the moment he gave up the ghost. In Matthew, it tells us that veil that separated man from the holies of holies where the presence of God was to dwell. When he gave up the ghost, the Bible says in Matthew that it was rent from top to bottom. Up until that day, only the high priest could enter. That veil wasn't some wedding veil. They say that veil was between four to six inches thick. History says that it took almost 100 priests to hang in Herod's temple. And at that moment that Christ gave up the ghost, it was rent in twain from top to bottom, not from bottom to top like some man did it. God reached down from heaven and rented in twain and said, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, that we might find grace to help in time of need. For God so loved that he did all of that. For I so loved that I walk with him. Did I walk with him? For I so loved that I serve him. For I so loved, did I consult him? For I so loved, for I so loved, for I so loved. See, our testimony tells the life of our love. Christ's life 
told a testimony of his love. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And what is your love? God makes a statement, for God so loved us, he was judged for us, he was bruised for us, he was mocked for us, he was victorious for us. And the call is that the love of Christ would constrain us. That we would judge that if one died for all, he goes, he died for me. So because he died for me, I will live for him. That in my life, my first consideration will be my savior. That it is my reasonable service to live for him. And whatever he has for me, look, I I don't know what your week has laid out ahead of you. And I'm sure for many of us, you have a task list or things to be done this week. But in the midst of it all, will you consult with your Lord? Lord, how can I live for you this week? I would ask you, will you make time for the Lord to walk with him in his word? I'm glad you're here today, and I hope you didn't come today because you had to, but because you got to, right? Because you love the Lord. We don't gather here today out of some fear that if we don't gather, hell is our home. We gather here today because there's a God in heaven who loved us, who died for us, and rose again for us. And we have come to worship him. And and I pray that every moment of your life, not merely your Sundays, would be guided by this fact. There's a God in heaven who came to this earth, lived for me, died for me, rose again, and is coming again for me, all because he loves me. So this week, my life will be lived because I love him in return. I love him in return. For I so loved. I would ask you, Christian, what does your life say? If you could take your life and it would sum it up, for I so loved, and you look back down, What have you loved? Who have you loved? More importantly, tomorrow. Paul would say, forgetting that which is behind, my tomorrow, who will it say that I love? Next week, who will it say that I love? There's one who loved me so much that he died for me. And there's one whom we must love so much because of what he did for us that we will live him. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. I